What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Ethos Lakers podcast returns because the Lakers season is over. And as our special guest told us just before we got on air today, thank God for that. Welcome back and welcome into the Ethos Lakers podcast. We are blessed because we got Ethan, we got JC, and we have a very special guest with us. Joining us today, we have Ryan Ward. Lakers extraordinaire, Ryan Ward, might I add. Ryan, I'm going to do my best to give you the best intro you've ever had in your life. Ryan is a gentleman. He was born from the forest of where Shrek currently resides because he likes the peace and quiet. On weekends, he occasionally likes to ride roller coasters. Sometimes he'll go to Colorado, but most of the time you can find him delivering his thoughts for the Lakers. Ryan, was that the most unique introduction you've ever had? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, are you on drugs? <laughs> <laughs> Not right now. As I was just saying, I got to keep my, my high school seniors off of drugs as they prepare for grad night. So no, I'm trying to get a little bit, little bit funky for you. Ryan is the, well, what aren't you, Ryan? You're a reporter, you're a writer for Laker Nation, obviously, as everybody knows. You're also an editor for Raiders Newswire. You're an LA native, but you're UK born. You were spending some time in Colorado, you were telling us. Ryan, what, what don't you do? Can you ride a tricycle as well? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, no way in hell, man. Um, yeah, I just I've been doing this over a decade now. Um, just covering sports in general, but uh, with an emphasis on the Lakers, obviously, is um, credential part of the media, right? And then I, you know, along the way, kind of started covering the Raiders, but nothing serious until about this last year. Um, and it's just kind of been talk about a roller coaster ride, man. It's just it's uh it's there's never a dull moment I'll tell you that much but uh yeah that's pretty much it man i just i'm waiting for the next adventure i guess in this never, wild world of sports never a dull moment in lakerland to say the least over the last three years we've seen the highest of highs and we have seen what feels like the lowest of lows. I mean, I know there was some conversation before the season had started that said, hey, what if it goes sideways? And it looks like the, you know, Gary Payton, Carl Malone era. JC, I feel like we would have wished for the Gary Payton, Carl Malone era when it came to these Lakers because, boy, there was just never a point in the season where we could say that was not brutal. Yeah, it was brutal pretty much every every game. Even, I mean, anytime they, they won, that would obviously be a good thing. But there was just so many times where – you could 
you could see it that it wasn't just a matter of it being a poorly constructed roster like something seriously is wrong behind the scenes that they're not going to tell us that some of which has kind of come to light now that the season is over as that stuff tends to come to light but yeah it was just a, a weird season to experience Ryan, one thing I really like about you, besides the fact that, you know, I feel like you, I can feel your humor on your Twitter account, which make sure you guys follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Ward LA. One thing that I really like about you right off the bat is what I'm hoping is that you still have this amazing goatee that I see pictured in your avatar. Is this still accurate? Is this still, is this still what we look like right now? Yeah. 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 That pretty thing, much. That pretty thing much. is, the thing is there's only one word to describe it. And it, might I use the word exquisite, sir? <laughs> I was going to say majestic. Oh, I, even better. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got some fans with it and some not. Like my, my mom despises it. My girlfriend doesn't mind. So it's kind of a toss up there. Huh? <laughs> I feel like you're splitting the difference for going right in the middle there. I don't feel like, you know, speaking for my mom anyway, no matter what facial hairstyle I have, it's it's never quite enough. Uh, <laughs> right. <and my> girlfriend's <laughs> kind of indifferent either way. I shave my head bald, so the only hair I have is on my body. Yeah, that's an image for everybody to start this podcast. <laughs> away we go into Lakerland. Ryan, you bring up something that I wanted to hit on right away, even before we get into you know everything that's transpired, how we move forward, all of the essential talking points here. You introduce yourself as, you know, this credentialed member of the media not to be taken lightly because that means you know a thing or two, first of all, at least in theory. Of course, we know that to be in practice as well. In theory, yeah. In theory, but more seriously, one of the things that I always sit here and watch when I'm watching Lakers games now, you know, as some of our listeners know, and as you may know or not, but if you don't, I'll let you know. I used to be in the industry full-time myself. I started with Bleacher Report, having been hired by Turner Sports to help run their NBA section uh, in addition to NBC Sports when it was still called Roto World. I'm not here for this NBC Sports Edge era, but when it was first called Roto World, that's how, how I met our founder, Aaron Bruski, aka the Brewman, here uh, as we do things over at the Ethos Lakers show. And so I often sit here and I watch post games, pre games, you know, all these media availabilities. And sometimes I find myself just just sort of wondering or scratching my head about the questions that some particular media members may ask. Now, I'm not here to call out anyone and say, can you get a load of this guy or anything like that? But it's just someone who has this, you know, sort of, I don't want to say, you know, supreme access to the team, but more access to the team than, than the every casual fan, the every man, the every woman, the every person, so to speak. Do you at all find it frustrating when, you know, you have a media member, a colleague even, or somebody you're sitting in the press room with who asks a question that offers no insight into the actual team and it's just something you can get out of reading a box score or a game recap? Yeah, man, because I've got to, uh, I got to transcribe that shit later. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to tweet it and then, you know, whatever the hell it is. And sometimes you get players who will just kind of drone on, right? Like, Every year there's players that you like to like interview or at least like, you know, do the whole thing with, right. Because their, their answers are good or like they keep it short and sweet. They get to the point. They don't try to make it some big grandiose answer to make them look really smart or like, you know, you know, what, whatever. Um, and this season there was a few guys where you're just like, Oh dude, what are you doing? Why are you asking this question? it's going to be like a five minute answer of, of nothing. Right. Like mellow. I loved mellow. I thought he was a great dude, but some of his answers are just like, what? 
Like, what are you talking about? And they'll repeat themselves over and over. Anthony Davis does the same thing. Um, and it drives you crazy. And it's always the same guys asking the questions. Always. And it's always the beat guys. You know, the guys that are there all the time. And I'm, it's like me and Daniel Starkand, uh, we, we do this. At, we do the post games, right? And the pre games and any kind of a, a media availability. And we're the ones that have to transcribe everything. And we are always texting back and forth, like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Why is he asking this question? Um, and especially like, during exit interviews, it's the worst because you have guys that will talk for five minutes and then you have guys that talk for 20. I mean, I don't know if you guys have done this before, but when you transcribe 20 minutes of babble, it's Ow. the worst thing ever. You want to just claw your eyes out. Um, but yeah, this season really tested my patience with that. Last season did too, because Schroeder and Montrez Harrell were a nightmare. Um, but, but this year, Man, I like I said, I'm just so glad it's over. So glad it's over. We I'm sitting here and and we're we're so fortunate to have in case you're somehow just starting the show a few minutes in. We're here with Ryan Ward, LakersNation.com, UK born, LA living, exquisite, majestic goatee wearer. <laughs> Ryan, you had a, you had a tweet at the conclusion of the Lakers season as the Lakers did their post game. Uh, we'll call it or should, should say postseason availability. We'll call it that for whatever it's worth. You got quotes running up and down this page in terms of just, you know, what everybody thinks went wrong, shall we say. Now, before we get into Russell Westbrook, because obviously that's a whole topic in and of itself, and I know JC is going to have a lot to say about that. I want to start with Rob Palinka on this idea of the front office. Now, I've been very vocal about this. I think JC has actually made mention of it in previous shows as well about just the, dy the dynamics of the front office. Now, on the one hand, I understand that when you have LeBron James on your team, I don't care if it's you, me, or Dupree calling the shots. There's going to be a voice in the room that is not mine, no matter what LeBron says publicly. However, I find this interesting, the sort of delicate balance Rob Palinka is trying to wedge himself between having such immediate success upon becoming GM and now having challenges along the way following that immediate success. Because on the one hand, he is so accustomed to this culture of placating his players, aka his clients as a former big time agent. And now in the GM's role, of course, you want to keep your guys happy, but your job is not to keep your players happy. Your job is to build the best basketball team possible. And I feel like it was a little bit more of trying to keep his players happy than actually trying to build the best basketball team possible. Meanwhile, Jeannie Buss might as well be a figurine on the side of a milk carton because we basically haven't heard from her all season. And all of a sudden, you know, Kurt Rambis's name is getting thrown around a little bit more than it had in the past, although he's always had some ties to this organization from playing to coaching to front office. Obviously, his wife is still very good friends with a bunch of people there. Where is the power in your mind, Ryan, in this Lakers front office? What are the dynamics? Because I don't really know. I honestly, I would say it's LeBron James and clutch sports. I don't see because I think a lot of um, a lot of fans don't don't get the aspect of how much money that these guys bring in, right? Like LeBron, just his presence alone. It's like Kobe. Um, remember when everybody put up a stink when Kobe signed that $48 million extension? 
Sure do. And then he made it back to the organization in about five minutes. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? He, he puts butts in the seats and he, and he gets, you know, their, the revenue was always over a hundred million a year. You know, it's like, that's, there's a reason for that. Like that they're paying him because he's earned it, you know, and they're not going anywhere. Like, like there's nothing that was going to change at that point. Um, LeBron's kind of the same thing, but on a different level at this point, right. In his career and the fact that he's still competing. Um, it's all about money you know, dollars and cents. But the thing is when it goes bad, when it goes badly and you're still, you should be contending. That's when you're like, okay, what the hell is going on? Because I think these guys get a little too comfortable. LeBron and clutch and rich Paul and all those guys. Um, and, and, and they feel like they can pull the strings and, and, you know, force things one, one way or another. Um, like Westbrook, perfect example. You know, I don't know how that made sense in anybody's mind in the beginning. I mean, I was adamant when it happened. I was like, this makes no basketball sense whatsoever, especially when you had alternatives like Buddy Heald, Kyle Lowry, DeRozan, you know, a a miss, you know, maybe all three. I don't know. I mean, who knows what could have happened, but I guarantee it was better than what did happen. Um, And the fact that it just on a whim, it was like, that's gone. We were all in on Westbrook just because LeBron had a conversation with him or him and AD talked to him or something. Um, I just like, dude, I mean, anybody with any kind of basketball sense would be like, what the hell are you doing? That really doesn't make any sense. And then clearly, like, I mean, you could even see it in preseason. Like, it just was like, uh, you know, with a, what's that, uh, like a round peg in a square hole or whatever, or the vice versa. Uh, it just didn't fit. Just didn't make any sense. And then obviously preseason, you're like, Oh, it doesn't count. Um, it's just kind of like a testing ground. All these guys are bets. They're not really taking it seriously anyway, but it carried over and it was no different. That's so one of the things that I thought was really interesting in that. And then, yeah, I thought the fit was bad in, in trying to maintain positivity. I was, I was like, well, Russell Westbrook does do everything Schroeder did, but better because he's a legendary basketball player. So maybe it could work in that sense. But yeah, one of the things when when Russell Westbrook came out and started saying the league started coming out that he didn't respect Frank Vogel from day one and they went all in on this and they realized he takes up such a huge part of the salary cap. It, it seemed like they realized very early on that this thing was cooked and there was no saving it. And I just, I don't understand the risk. <laughs> Why would you take the risk um, of, of get paying this guy as much money as you're going to pay him? And then knowing you have another year, if it goes, goes to shit, which it did, and they got to figure out a way to unload him and you're only going to get bad contracts on, on, on the back end. Right. Like I just, yeah, it just seems kind of crazy. It, it's just like unbelievable kind of now you're just like, what, what logical human being makes this move? And then you got to think of Palenka too. Like he had to know that his job was potentially on the line for this. I mean, Vogel sure as hell knew. I bet you Vogel was pissed when this happened. He's like, what the hell am I going to do with this guy? Plays no defense, always needs the ball. And I have three superstars total. You know, it's just like, it's baffling. It really is. And I, I truly feel bad for Vogel because I think he got a, a raw deal this year. I mean, he, he made mistakes. He wasn't perfect, but he was put in almost a position to fail, right? And then 
um, I kind of feel like <laughs> Palenka used him as kind of like a, uh, a body shield, right? Like just kept him in front of him. Like oh, this guy's going to take all the bullets and then I can just get rid of him. And that's exactly what happened. And then I had never seen Palenka as defensive as he was in that exit interview the other day. I was like, I even text Daniel. I was like, dude, his gloves are up right now. I've never seen him with the gloves up. I mean, he was like kind of snapping at people. I mean, not to the point where he was out of control or anything, but you could just tell there was like this underlying, like, I know I'm going to get, get some shit here and I have to, you know, stick up for myself in a certain way. Cause if, there was no like accountability kind of anybody's interviews. Like if they were all kind of like, they all blamed something injuries or especially Westbrook. Jesus, that was rough. <laughs> Listen to all the things he was saying. I was like, dude, you're delusional. You're delusional, yeah. man. Yeah, let's let's explore that that bridge burning path that he was. Uh, oh my god, that it was is- one of the most bizarre. Have you ever seen an exit interview like that? No, for some reason I'm like hesitating on that, but I no, not not no, not like that. Not it like is- where it's like literally not no blame taken whatsoever, and it was so obvious that you were not playing well. It is it is so frustrating. That in the exit interview, literally, the season is over. You don't have to sit there and say all this other crap you've been saying all season long. In the exit interview, 82 games later, nobody on this team could look at each other and say, you know what? It's on me. It's on you. It's on all all of us. Nobody. Not on a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, led by Rob Palenka, with Jeannie Buss' owner. And Rob and Rob Palenka calling the shots. Nobody could sit there and say it's on me. The closest thing was Rob Palenka saying, "You know what? Ultimately, it's a shared responsibility, and I lead this. So if you're going to blame someone, basically blame me." Is what he basically said. And I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because he didn't even go as far as to say that. Well, you know what's ironic? Cannot- the one, the one guy who did take blame for for everything that happened was Vogel, and then he got the door like in a, the worst way possible. I have been through so many coaches already covering this team. And that's the worst I've seen somebody fired. The worst by far. It is. I couldn't believe it. I could it not believe it. I mean, it's partly Woj's fault. It could, could be entirely Woj's fault, right? Because of the way he did that. And like, I mean, he's no, he's no dummy. You know, he knows that the coach is going to talk after the game. And the fact that he dropped that before him even going up there it was like, he was afraid that, Shams was going to swoop in and do it before him or something, you know, and he feel like he felt like he had to do that. But I I just couldn't believe it. And then for Palenka to start like denying all that stuff and saying unsourced media. And I'm like, Woj is unsourced media. He's like <laughs> the number one guy. Are you kidding me? He had Kobe's direct line. Give me a break. Oh, dude. Like, like, give me a break. Like we literally we literally just sat here before the season. And we said, okay, this is Frank Vogel's toughest test yet because he is getting a roster filled with guys who do not fit what he likes to do. Don't play defense. They have no defenders on this team. They have a bunch of guys who fit incongruently on offense together, and they have very little time to get prepared. In fact, the only constant across Vogel's three seasons as Lakers head coach was basically instability in terms of roster turnover. That's interesting. So, So, yeah. It's going to take some time for him to install anything he wants to do. And to your point, 
The Lakers sat around for the last two years and said, hey, we don't really want to do anything too major now that we've got LeBron and AD because we think Damian Lillard might be available. We think Bradley Beal might be available. And this year, for whatever reason, they said, you know what? Screw it. We don't think they're going to be available, and we're actually going to go after Russell Westbrook instead, despite the other options, which have been well chronicled, still on the table. Ultimately, they made a decision that did not work out, to say the least. But yeah. my question is, why now? What was the driving force behind the Russell Westbrook trade? Because you got Russ saying out here saying it wasn't really a dream to come play for the Lakers. You got Russ out here saying, I don't really like Frank Vogel. You've got LeBron saying that I like playing with Russ, but we didn't really have time to play together. Meanwhile, he's one of Patrick Beverly's biggest cheerleaders while they're winning the play-in game, celebrating like they just won the championship, the Super Bowl, and the World Series all combined. So at the end of the day, I need someone to grab this team by the nads and own it. And if that's Jeannie Buss, this would be a great time for her to come out like she's Stone Cold or Vince McMahon or any of these aging WWE superstars like they did at WrestleMania and say, hey, I'm still here. Because outside of Malik Monk and Austin Reeves, I am really not sure what went well for the Lakers this year. Very true. Uh, that's interesting you say about Buss, though. I think I honestly think Jeannie is, is in that position that she was before she, she fired her brother. Right. And um, cup check. And she's, she came, I don't, I think she's kind of blown away how quickly it's come back around. Um, and that she, she has to, you know, make a decision. Uh, and I think the power of clutch is kind of maybe scared the shit out of her a little bit. Um, so she feels like her hands are tied. Maybe. I mean, I don't know because, because like you said, she hasn't said anything. She, she hasn't spoken a word. Um and then all you see, ironically, is like the HBO show and then this like magic documentary coming up. And then there's something else. Right. Isn't she doing something uh, with uh, that one uh, woman from the, the office? Mindy? Oh, something? Yeah, there's a yeah. Mindy Kaling is producing a show that uh, is about like women executives in sports or something like that. Yeah. So it's like all this stuff happening all at once. And I think she kind of she might feel a bit overwhelmed. You know, and I, I sometimes I, I wonder, is like, is she really running things? You know, because when you hear her talk, you're like, yeah, really? Like, this is really the commanding voice in the room. You know what I mean? Um, but, man, I mean, even LeBron, even LeBron saying this is not a failure. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. Exactly. I mean, like, exactly. I any champion, I, any champion. I mean, Kobe would wouldn't he be the first person to say, "Yeah, we failed. We yes. failed big time." This is this is LeBron literally said, "Well, I came here to win a championship, and I did that, but now I want more." It seems you're like you're one of the greatest of all time, and you're gonna sit here and say, "Well, I already won a championship," and try to hedge on this disaster of a season. Just yeah. say it looked like shit. Don't serve me a plate of crap. Tell me it smells good and tell me it tastes like something different. We I think all want the same game. The one thing I noticed between him and Kobe and covering them, I'd say, okay, I cover more years of Kobe, but it's getting close, right? Um, LeBron is, is definitely a, a me first guy. Uh, he is, he's all about what he's doing first, and then it's the team. I mean, I, I'm sure I'll get crap for that, but I just, just what I noticed, man, you, this, you, Go back on any quotes, 
in any press conference with him, and it's all I, me, and 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 it's all centered around him. Always, always, no matter what the situation is. Some some things he turns into him. Like what was the one thing he said about Scotty Barnes the other day? It's like, oh, I knew about him in high school or something. It's like, what the f- and, and I, I know I've heard that same story about like 15 other young guys, you know, it's like he's he's always gonna make it seem like you know he was he's on top of everything. And then when it comes to accountability, he says shit like that. And you're like, dude, you can't have it both ways, you know. You have to, you're the guy, you're the leader, you're the number number one, you're the face on this, right? So it's on you. That's why, like, I got pissed off when I saw, you know, he's putting up 50 points here and there, and um, you know, he's constantly trying to score 30 points and get his numbers, and then they're still losing, like they're still getting smashed. I'm like, all that stuff doesn't mean shit to me if you can't win a game. Kobe may have taken more pages from Jordan's playbook on the court, but LeBron has certainly taken more pages off the court. And what I mean by that is he likes to ride the middle ground because, you know, Republicans got to wear buy sneakers too, as Jordan said famously all those years ago. JC, I want to play a quick game with you using Ryan's Twitter feed. Ryan, if we have your permission to use your Twitter feed, just for a few quotes. Is that okay with you, sir? Yeah. All right, JC. Uh, this is straight from Ryan's Twitter feed. So voice of the man to the people directly on the ethos Lakers podcast. I just want to read three Rob Palenka quotes. Rob Palenka said that this was a quote, disappointing season quote at every level. When you have disappointment, you have to take ownership of that and vow to be better. Rob Palenka also said, quote, we want a strong voice that's able to inspire players every night. And then also added, we don't respond. Uh, no, that's the famous Welsh quote. Sorry. Then also added, it would be great to have someone in place by the draft in reference to a new head coach and ended it with, I think we have to get better on multiple fronts. Rob Palinka may as well run for governor of California, maybe mayor of Los Angeles or whatever other political role he wants to explore, because that is an exercise in saying everything while saying nothing. JC, do you have any different kind of read on this? Because to me, that's just a bunch of boilerplate language. That means absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to cover all bases at once. He's, I mean, it's nice that he's taking a little bit of accountability of building the roster himself. But, I mean, like I agree with Ryan in that Vogel's firing was handled really terribly because, I mean, I look at it as superstars like like LeBron and AD don't necessarily need a coach. But what Vogel was able to do across his tenure, you had guys like Caruso, KCP, Austin Reeves, uh Wenyan, Stanley Johnson, all these guys played hard and you got a lot of effort out of them. And you know, even Kuzman at some point he had to re- he had to revolve revolve himself from being a scorer to kind of being a rebounder his last year as a Laker. Like he did that. And I think Vogel was able to bring that out of him. And so they're looking for a voice to inspire the young team to the young guys they had one. And I don't know what else they're they're looking for. Ryan, do you ever find it frustrating when Lakers fans sit here and clamor for, well, if we only had Ingram, or if we only had D'Angelo Russell or Julius Randle or Jordan Clarkson, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, or any of these other young guys, the Lakers did a great job to draft and to some extent develop. Do you ever get frustrated when you hear that we'd rather have this team? Because to me, this is exactly what the complaints were when the Lakers were that team. If only we had those stars, if only we could have this. This franchise has got its fans so accustomed to instantaneous success that the slightest challenge 
is like the end of the world. It's not unlike my students when they have a hard time finding information because when they were born, they're able to access information at the tip of a finger, at the click of a Siri or however you want to phrase that. So when something becomes hard or difficult, they just kind of give up because they don't know how to look any further. Do you find that at all frustrating? Yeah, I mean, you got to think though, like I always, whenever I hear something ridiculous or like uh, doesn't make sense or it's somebody getting on getting on me for something. I always come back to the fact that fan stands for fanatic, right? Yep. You're crazy about something, right? So you're not exactly logical. You're not exactly thinking clearly, right? Uh, and you're going off emotion probably 99% of the time, right? So a lot of these takes are just he the moment, right? They, they're not thinking. Um but I will say this in terms of the young core and all that. I personally did not want LeBron to come here because I thought this kind of scenario would happen, not to this extreme, but I thought he would take over the way he has other teams and then bail once he's just kind of used it up, you know? And I thought they had an ideal scenario with Paul George. I thought sign Paul George and surrounded with these young guys who are really turning into something, right? And I was like, build, you know, build organically with a guy who wants to become an MVP, right? It made perfect sense to me. But then they got they got seduced by LeBron and, and, and everything he brings with it. And I get it. Like I said earlier, like the financial side of things, I, I get it. But um, you, you're always going to end up in this scenario. And then plus he's... 37 years old, you know, like it, at some point, I think a lot, one thing that a lot of people aren't, aren't talking about is in the four years he's been here, three of them have been marred by injuries. He's, he hasn't finished the season because of, of injuries, you know, the groin in the beginning and then this ankle has become a persistent problem. Um, and everybody acted like he was invincible before. And he's not anymore. He's just not, you know, he's still playing amazing basketball, but is it winning basketball? And can you really count on him now? And does he give you that kind of leadership at the end of games or um, enough to where you trust him, you know, at the end of games? I mean, sometimes he's amazing. Yes. But I would say there are some times where I'm like, what the hell was he thinking on that? You know, like, well, that makes no sense. But are we out of time here? No, no, no. We're good. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's when things go haywire – in professional sports, that's always the first thing is like you, you're just thinking of another scenario that could have happened, would have, should have, could have, right? And it's like, it, it, what's the point of thinking that way? It's like, yeah, that's great for 30 seconds, but then you're like, well, this is the state we're in now. We got to think of the next step, not not what happened. What is yeah, it? I mean, I, I agree to that with that to some extent. Like, I, I full disclosure, Le, Le, LeBron's my favorite player, and, and I am disappointed in how he's kind of handled the lack of accountability to end this season. Um, and, and I get the, what he sort of leaves in his wake is, is kind of disaster every time he leaves a team. Um, I don't really know where else. I mean, I guess it's going to be the situation wherever he goes. And so maybe you didn't want him to come here for that, but yeah, it's, I do hope that he's beginning to embrace the younger players a little bit more and he's he's able to see that you don't need a team full of veterans to to make it work because that's just not how how to win in the nba anymore 
Well, there, that's that's one thing I was thinking of um, recently, or at least over the couple, last couple of months. It's like, do you guys think now um, that we might be starting to see the end of these superstar filled teams? Because it's not, it's clearly not the recipe for success anymore. I I think that's I think it's such an interesting proposition because when this was first initially starting to sort of catch fire for lack of a better way to say it, this is how you construct a roster to win. The mm. NBA was a little bit more top heavy, right? There wasn't as much parity across the league. Right now you have teams like the Suns and the Grizzlies, no disrespect to either of those two franchises, by the way, who are literally sitting one and two in the Western conference. So it is a new day. Great team basketball, right? And there's no correct outshines the other, even though you got Booker and, and jaw right but they're still like when jaw's been out the memphis has been amazing still you know it's like that's great team basketball there was and there is nothing to be said for culture still because you always hear about heat culture and things like that and there there miami sits number one in the east Mm -hmm. yeah true yeah there was absolutely no connectedness on this lakers team you look right. at the offseason moves. So going back to roster construction, you look at the offseason moves beyond the obvious of bringing in Russell Westbrook via trade, okay? So you extend Taylor Horton Tucker. I think ev- almost every Lakers fan would have done that. Yes, he did not have the year that so many wanted, wanted him to have, but I think every Lakers fan makes the move at that time. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's easy to sit here and say, we should have done this, should have done that, whatever it may be. Lakers were also limited in what they could do in order to keep improving the team. So it was almost like they had to resign him. And in three years, 30, 31 million, you're never going to have a problem moving that contract if it comes time to move that contract, even if exactly. it becomes a bad yeah. contract, okay? Mm-hmm. But the rest of it, you signed Kendrick Nunn, who JC correctly predicted six months ago was never going to play for the Lakers this season. You yes, signed Melo. Okay, that's fine enough. He's, he's, he's LeBron's boy, and he should be playing 18 minutes a game. That's fine on a minimum salary. But instead, he plays 30 minutes a night, 35 minutes a night, and it doesn't work. After that, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, and DeAndre Jordan, which never made any sense to sign both. Malik Monk was the star of the show here, obviously. Rajon Rondo was, ugh, uh, just ugh, as that sound that I make that my girlfriend says she's never heard another human make except for me. Just ugh. Seku Domboya on a two-year on a two-way contract, excuse me. Jay Huff on a two-way contract, and then Austin Reeves gifted on a two-way contract initially, and then later signing a two-year minimum salary contract with the second year non-guaranteed. By the way, hopefully Lakers can do right by him. I just look up and down at that roster and say, what the hell did you expect? You know, you know where I knew this was going to go sideways is when people kept saying, oh, just wait until Ariza and, and Nunn get back. And oh, that was my favorite. Favorite. Oh, we're, I remember Vogel kept saying it every freaking press conference, and I was getting so annoyed. I was like, just wait till we're whole. It's like, dude, this is, this is professional sports. This is what happens. Injuries happen. You have to account for it. You have to adjust. It's never going to, you're never going to be whole. It's like when people, it's like when teams get in the playoffs and they say, well, not at full strength. No team's at full strength. Everybody's banged up. You know, it's like, it's basically a survival of the fittest at the end, right? It's, it's whoever can stay healthy enough or, or battle through injuries 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well enough is are going to be the, the two teams left standing. I mean, look at like Giannis last year when he everybody thought his knee exploded, right? When he when he hyperextend his knee, is that what happened? Yeah, it almost bent all the way backwards. Oh, I, and I remember looking at his face. It's like, oh well, they're they're fucked. They're done, you know. And then he goes on and just dominates. And with that crazy, uh, was it was it game six? Uh, yeah, I think he had a fifty point game six. Oh, and he's he's hit like 18 free throws or something, something crazy. Um, but that's it, right? I mean, Giannis could bounce back. And then I remember, you know, back in the day when LeBron could do that. It was the same kind of same kind of freakishness, you know, like athletically. But you can't you can't blame injuries, man. That's such a cop out. And then even AD toward you know at the end was like, Oh, I just wish we were, you know, we were whole. It was like, dude, even when you guys played together, you weren't that great. You know, the 21 games that they played together, they, they weren't stunning. They weren't scaring anybody. Like, how how, how about really? just standing up as the leaders of the room saying, you know what? It's on us. I don't care yeah. who else is out there. We had LeBron, we had AD, and we weren't good enough to your point. This idea that on a team with those two, not to mention whatever Russell Westbrook is or isn't, you're telling me to wait for Kendrick Nunn or 82-year-old Trevor Ariza and then judge me? Are you fucking kidding me? I was like, just so fed up with that narrative. I was like, just uh, why are you guys leaning on this? You know, why are you leaning on it? It's just, it's a cop out. It's, it doesn't make you want to root for them, you know? And even though I'm supposed to be objective, like I, you still want to be entertained by basketball. And I just was like, you know what? This is just not, this isn't fun. That's why I like Malik Monk so much because he was the only guy out of all of them that never leaned on those excuses. And he was always had the effort. You know, he, he wasn't the greatest defender, give him that, but he, he always played with heart, you know? And I, he was one of the few on that team. This, this, idea, this idea that Russell Westbrook wasn't allowed to be himself, you were taking jump shots that went out oh, of the NBA 20 years ago. That, that pissed me off. You were like, dude, threes on the side of the backboard. And yeah, you're going to no player. Play. No you player could. played more than he did. And, and and you're saying I couldn't be great on this team? Look in the mirror, bro. 
Like yeah. I, I just, it's, it, it is a continuation between Westbrook, LeBron and AD in particular, in particular, this, this idea of such entitlement, like, I ah, don't worry about us. We'll be fine. We've done a lot of things in the past. Be that as it may, you've never done jack shit together. And at your best, you were like three games over 500 at your peak this year. So this yeah. idea you can just turn it on and don't worry about it and it will be fine. Where is it coming from? How much Kool-Aid have you drunk together? Are you guys okay? Because I'm genuinely concerned. Well, I think they they came in with that kind of that mentality and they're like, oh yeah, people will believe us. Until fans started turning. You know, you could see it about, what, three quarters of the way, maybe after the All-Star break and everybody's like, yeah, nothing's changing. Nothing, nothing is changing on the floor, right? And then the narrative starts shifting, right? People were even blaming LeBron at one point, you know, and, and now LeBron's like, I'll put, I do the, the graphics for Lakers nation too, right. For the Instagram. And I'll put, sometimes I'll put a LeBron graphic up there and thinking it's going to blow up and it has the complete opposite effect. And every comment is like, get his ass out of here. And I'm like, wow, I cannot believe how quickly people have turned on him. Um, and it's, it's kind of gone with all three of those guys. I mean, Westbrook first, for sure. People were fed up at him before even halfway through the season, right? Understandably so. Um, even the media was kind of fed up with him because those press conferences, man, were brutal. Um, I always I, I tweeted something out um, on actually interviews, I think, and I said, he's such a trip in terms of um, these, these, these interviews because you never know what you're going to get from him. It was all basically whatever mood he was in, would direct the way he goes, right? And sometimes he was funny and enjoyable. And like, you're like, oh, well, that was cool. And then there's other times you're like, what a dick. <laughs> like, what a dick. So unnecessarily. That, you know? That's one of the things that made me think it might work in, in the beginning because you heard all the stuff about how, even though he's denying it now, how happy he was to be a Laker. And in the preseason, he just seemed so happy. And I was like, maybe him being that sublimely happy will make him play better than he has in other places because like what's there to enjoy about playing in washington and that I think, just um, one thing that i've i've kind of figured out is these guys who blow up in small markets can't handle big markets because they get so beloved in these small markets they become part of the community they become like super duper stars right because that's all they have like in Oklahoma City, Westbrook was all they had, right, in terms of a rooting interest in, in, in sports. Um, and then, you know, there's college football or whatever. But in terms of pro, you know, pro sports, it was Westbrook. So he had this godlike following in, in Oklahoma City. And then he does the triple-double for a season thing. And it takes him to another level. And I think he got so – he got his ass kissed so much – for that and then getting the MVP that he leaned on it from then on out. And then it was just stat patent because yeah. if you, if you notice um, in the exit interview, he says uh, that last season he averaged a triple double. Right. And he said that anything below that was a failure. And I'm like, that makes no sense because it's so, so it doesn't matter wins and losses. Like <laughs> it's all about your, your stats. Then that's it. As long as you get the triple-double, then you're fine. 
It's like yeah, that's. I saw, I saw one video. Your psyche, his psyche's right there. That's yeah. that's all you needed to know. Yeah, I had seen one video. It it wasn't from a professional media NBA media person, just somebody who cobbled highlights together. And it's like Russell Westbrook isn't playing bad all of a sudden. He's been playing. This is the way he's played his whole career. It's just now he's playing in L.A. Mm-hmm. and everyone, everyone's looking at him. Well, it's like when Dwight came for the first time, he got the same kind of deal. I mean, he wasn't the the. It wasn't like it was a huge drop off in um, production. I think it was more of like he was so used to being the guy in a small market in Orlando that he he comes to LA and he just thinks he's just going to get bigger, right? Well, you came in with a god status guy in Kobe, right? There's no way you're going to be bigger than Kobe in LA, for one. And you have to get in line to learn how to play winning championship basketball. And and Dwight really struggled with that. And then and then the fans got on him. And it was after I think once the fans get on you in LA, it's kind of over. Yeah. You you kind of can't win them over. And I was surprised actually when Dwight came back that he did win them over the second time, right? But I think it's because he played such a lesser role and he accepted that role. Whereas Westbrook was like defiant to to the last right and it really hurt him and i think i don't know if it'll hurt his legacy in the long run but he's i definitely think he's he's never going to be a winning player um i think from here on out if i was saying i was one scenario i was thinking is like what if he gets traded bought out immediately and then just nobody signs him like yeah. what happens after that like is he done is he like iverson just gone so like in the in an instant, right? Do you do you think honest? This is an honest question. Westbrook is due almost forty eight million dollars next year. There is no chance on earth that he turns that down. Okay. Oh no, no that's chance. another thing. I was like, he, he got asked that in the interview, and it's like, and he didn't want to answer. And I'm like, dude, come on. We we all know. Okay, we're all making the same decision. Give me Who's a break. Turning that down. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to win the lottery. No, no, no. Hundred percent money. Yeah, my, like my, my question to both of you guys, Russell Westbrook. Let's pretend Russell Westbrook, for whatever reason, says, "You know what? I got enough money. I want to control my own fate." Is there a team that would even give him that amount of money over three years? Three years, forty-eight million. Are you oh. signing Russell Westbrook for sixteen million dollars a year right now? Just a I, yes or no, snap judgment. I honestly think he's going to be going on one-year contracts for the rest of his career. JC, yeah, I agree. I, I don't see how you can justify paying Russell Westbrook Marcus Morris money. What a sentence that is. <laughs> Marcus great. Morris and Luke Kennard both make $16 million annually. Uh-huh. If, if I'm the GM of any team that wants to contend, I cannot justify paying Westbrook that number. The Lakers have him on the books for three times that number. There is not going to be any consideration of a stretch and wave of Westbrook. Shit, the Lakers just finished paying Luol Dang for Christ's sakes, okay? Right. They don't want to <laughs> one of these scenarios in the books, okay? Like, that was the gift that continued to give. Talk about an offseason gone bad with Dang and Mozgov. Thank you so much, Mitch. We can sit here and talk about Westbrook all damn day. We all know it just didn't work. But even just since the exit interviews, Ryan, your Twitter feed, by the way, is immaculate. If you're not following Ryan on Twitter, make sure you follow him at Ryan Ward LA on Twitter. No underscores, no spaces, nice nice and easy not like me who makes it difficult at ethan underscore noroff more like jc who makes it easy at jc on one ryan it took me all the way to scroll up until stanley johnson of the exit interviews to hear somebody say you know what you might have to look inward before you start looking outward are you uh, kidding 
Stanley Johnson, who's been on the team for not even half a season, who was hailed as a savior because this team has been looking for a capable 3 and D wing player since Ron Artest was Ron Artest, okay? And couldn't even get a job as a former first-round pick, had to go hack it up in the G League for teams to even take a consideration of dice roll on him. But by the end of the season, he, Austin Reeves, Wenyan Gabriel, and Malik Monk, a combined salary of about $3.5 million, were the only Lakers that the team's fans wanted to see on the floor. What in the actual hell? Well, I mean, that's the, uh, the benefit of being humbled, right? Like Stanley Johnson was one of those – unfortunate guys that got, you know, was a lottery guy and, and just got humbled. He, he wasn't good enough, you know, and now he's gotten a second chance. The fans love him, even though I think he is kind of, it, he is a meta type player who has a ceiling, you know, like, I, I don't know how good he could really be, but he's a smart kid and he, and he knows, he knows his limitations, right. And he knows what he can do. and He knows what he can't do. Westbrook on the other hand, still thinks he can conquer the world, you know? And I guess, you know, all athletes are kind of like that because they have to have that edge that, that they're always the best, right? Or else you just, you're not going to be able to live up to challenges. But at the same time, there's parts in people's career where you have to be like, I can't do that anymore, right? Like, look at Melo. I didn't think Melo would ever get to the point where he's at now, where he's like, totally content coming off the bench. Uh, but he is. And he'll probably play for another two, three years, maybe. I mean, maybe. I don't know for sure. But he's definitely intent on doing that. Um, but Westbrook, I just – I think he has to be severely humbled in order to actually change his game. Because, I mean, if you don't change it after this season, like, dude, you need to see, you know, seek some, some help, right? Like, get some perspective from somebody. I, I really don't know if he has it in him to be to be that humble. And to your point, it's like, how how can you not? Because only only since the exit interviews, which is what, not even three full days old by the mm-hmm. time we're recording this. OK, yeah. we have we have Malik Monkar. I guess that was part of his exit interview saying, look, you know, it's not really about the money. I'd love to stay here if it all works out. The Lakers are limited in what they can offer him because they don't have his full bird rights. I think if both parties, you know, get their way, they both find themselves back together because he is an example of more of what the Lakers need to have in terms of what's besides LeBron and AD. But just since those exit interviews, we've had three different names, all wildly different than one another. Quinn Snyder, Nick Nurse, hey, Mark Jackson, all mentioned as the Lakers' next head coach. We've, talk, we've heard Rob Palinka talk about what qualities he wants in a head coach. We've heard Juwan Howard might be the next head coach. We heard LeBron James say, you know what? I'm still interested in playing basketball, actually, and I'd love to contend for another title. Like, what, what are the priorities of this Lakers team? What is the driving force behind what's to come? Because there doesn't seem to be a vision right now. And for a team with as rich of a history of winning titles as the Lakers have, I cannot believe that this club has absolutely no vision as LeBron's final years are coming very much into the forefront and Anthony Davis is theoretically anyway in his prime. How can there not be a plan? How can there not be a vision? And what, what now? What do the Lakers really do next? I think you have to, they have to know what options they have, right? And I'm sure, I'm sure they probably already know. They've got a good idea. What, what is actually out there or possible. 
But uh, I mean, the Lakers have pulled off miracles before. You know, you getting guys or pulling off you know three, four team trades and somehow getting a great player. I mean, look at the Pau Gasol trade for Christ's sake. Was it Kwame for Pau and like don't, and his brother? Don't forget about Aaron McKee. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but like you know stuff like that. Like it, it's it, you just never know. But then again, you got to have a talented GM to do that. And I, I think, I think Palenka has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way from his days as an agent. That um, it, it limits him even more. You know, maybe certain teams don't want to work with him. You know, they don't want to deal yeah. with him uh, or clutch on top of that, you know. Um, so who the hell knows, man? I mean, that Pacers uh, rumors was kind of interesting, but uh, it seemed too good to be true, right? <laughs> like they're going to get – what was it, Buddy Heald and who was the other player they said would come back? He wasn't great, but he wasn't like – you would take it. Right, you'd be like, okay, yeah, fine. Um, did you guys see that that trade that trade no, rumor? That's yeah, what. I, yeah, I there we go. I saw a little bit of it. Yeah, he's just like a basic point guard, right? But he just does enough, and he has no ego from what you can see. And and you get Buddy Hield, who is a great shooter, right? Like just do that. But I think you gotta you gotta do something else too, right? But what what would that be? And how do you do it? So I. I, to be honest, I think they're screwed. I think they're screwed unless they trade AD or maybe even LeBron. I, I don't know. I think they have to do something drastic because they're going to end up with nothing in the end and, and no picks for a long time. So it, I, I, it can be very dark in the, in the next few years if they don't do something drastic. Yeah, I think like like I was talking about earlier, like culture is an important thing. And, and at this point, if you're not, if there isn't anything structural that you can build around, as far as like what your organizational philosophy is, the way the Grizzlies clearly have, the Suns clearly have, Miami clearly has, like all those organizations have, you know, top to bottom a philosophy of how they're going to go about doing their business. The Lakers and the Knicks don't. The Lakers and the Knicks are just operating on, well, we're the Lakers and we're the Knicks. And that's not enough anymore. Well, I think it's kind of crazy how similar those the two franchises have kind of run, right? Yeah. It's just the fact that the, the, the Lakers have a few more home runs. Well, a lot more home runs, I guess. But yeah. there are these huge stretches where it's just total medi- mediocrity. You know, five years here, five years there. And with the Knicks, they just – I don't know what the hell's. It just probably all leads up to Dolan, right? Just Dolan yeah. making things very difficult for them. All um, trail sour around the Knicks ultimately have the same common denominator. You got it. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's it's. I say right now it's doom and gloom. And and, and then you got to think from a coaching perspective. What what coach really wants to go in, wants to come here after yeah. the way Vogel was treated, and then. There's just like you, you guys were saying, there's no clear vision. There's no clear path to what you want to to compete. Like I, I, I mean, I, I think that coaching is the worst job. Coaching and refereeing are the worst jobs in sports yeah. by far. You mean like, not, not just the way Vogel was fired, but also the way he was hired? Like loose, like it's an it's right. impossible ask nowadays. But you have to control loose lips, like. Uh-huh. He liked the way Vogel was hired. He was their fourth choice, and he didn't get to pick his own assistants. 
when it's crazy now if you look at it in, in retrospect and look at uh, Monty Williams. Yeah. Here, right. And then um, Ty Lue, who's yeah. respected as one of the best uh, in-game coaches in the league. Right. Like, I mean, how much better off would they be right now if they had either one of those guys? Yeah. And there are already rumors that Quinn Snyder is not interested just because of the way the Lakers seem to go about doing their business. Like, I don't blame him, dude. I really don't. I mean, I mean, and you got to think he's got a taste of it already. Right. He's already seen what it's like behind the scenes when it's really bad. So yeah. he's probably like, oh, man. Yeah, the pay will be good. Uh, I'll get a, you know, it'll be a high profile thing. Utah kind of is kind of a lost cause right now anyway. Um, but I got to deal with all that crap constantly. And then you're always going to be the scapegoat in LA unless your name's Phil Jackson, right? You, you, you mean to tell me that I could have the opportunity to coach a team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but hold on, it gets better. I'm also probably going to have Russell Westbrook. LeBron James is aging. LeBron James is probably going to miss some time. AD's a lock to miss about a quarter of the season. Russell Westbrook definitely didn't fit. All successes we have will only go to the players in the organization. All failures we have will come directly to me. Meanwhile, the white hot lights of the, I will call it the Staples Center until I die, will continue to be on my face every single night. And ultimately, it's only my fault if this team fails to reach its unrealistic expectations. Oh, and clutches in my ear every single night. Why yeah. wouldn't I sign up for that job? That sounds great. That's awful. And that's one no part, man. That's like <laughs> that is that is the the disconnect between reality and and theory, right? The Lakers are are shown to be this organization filled with mystique, filled with lure, filled with just historical success. But to your point, there have been more pockets of dormancy, especially recently, than success because the championships tend to come up bunched together, right? It wasn't like oh, it's once every four years the Lakers win the title. Right. If that were the case, it would be a little bit different, but they're kind of bunched together and they're kind of sequenced. And on top of that, you have a position that most are expecting you to fail in. And you probably don't have LeBron's buy in from the initial tip or whatever you want to call that. So that's why when Mark Jackson's name came to the surface 24 hours ago or whatever it was, I could have told you that in February that that was going to happen. That's long been LeBron's guy. Right. Whether or not it comes to fruition, who knows? Crazy about that, though, um, I feel like um, Mark Jackson is the equivalent of Russell Westbrook as a, as a head coach. Only because only because of one thing. There's a reason he's not a head coach anymore, right? Yeah. It's, there's a reason uh, Westbrook got dealt to four different teams in four years and soon to be five in five years. There's just a reason for it. He's, he's not that good. I don't yeah. think he's that good. And I think he maybe maybe he wants too much control. Maybe he wants too much money. Maybe he thinks too highly of himself. Uh, who knows? But I, I don't think it's a good move. I think it's going to be a disaster if that happens. Yeah, one of the things that frustrates me about that with LeBron being my favorite player and is as smart a guy as he is, I don't know how why he isn't smart enough to know how to replicate some of his past successes. Like the best point guard – Pure point guard he ever played with was Kyrie, who was a good shooter, who could run pick and rolls, good handles. Almost the opposite of what Russell Westbrook is. I don't know why he thought that would work. Yes, it is weird. I, I don't I don't get it. I, I just kind of think uh, maybe e- ego took over. And yeah. kind of yeah. like, oh, I can make it work. 
Yeah, he he won a championship in L.A. being Point LeBron, leading the league in assists. I don't know why he ever wanted to do that again. Like, (laughs) yeah, I just I don't don't know why he doesn't know how or want to replicate his past successes. Like, I I don't know if he wants to do it a new way every time or I don't know. It just it's. I think you remember you guys remember before LeBron came and um, all the rumors about him coming were um, were like the the reasons why he wanted to come is because he wanted to be part of Hollywood too. He wanted to expand his um, portfolio, I guess you'd say, into like the entertainment business and you know God knows what what else. Expand the brand, expand Clutch Sports. Um, Maybe that is kind of coming to fruition. And and people were criticizing it, saying, well, how is he going to focus on basketball right? when he's got all this stuff off the court? Well, maybe that's the case now. Maybe he's not thinking so much basketball or he's, he's getting a little too um, overworked is the wrong word. I'd say, like, just overwhelmed. Maybe he's taking on too much stuff, you know, uh, and he's not – his focus is kind of off. Because the one thing I always kind of tripped me out about LeBron the last couple of years was um, how much he drinks now. <laughs> oh, I was so I'm so glad you brought that up because man, every night he was promoting his tequila brand, whether Lakers right. won by ten or lost by twenty five. Right, or or like he said, he's going to go home and drink some wine or, or drink some tequila. And I was like, dude, aren't you the guy, same guy that says you you you, you spend like a million dollars on your body? And I drink, I drink twice a week and I feel like shit if I do. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I'm sure he only has like one or two, or at least he probably should in his case. Right. Um, But what if he doesn't, what if he does get hammered every once in a while? And then, you know, his body is starting to break down a little bit because he's not taking care of it as as, as much as he used to, you know, I mean, I'm spitballing here. I mean, I, who knows? I just thought it was kind of strange. Like you remember when he walked in with a glass of wine, Yes. When he, when he was hurt, I was like, that is the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> what statement are you making here, dude? Like, it's, it's just, you... I mean, just imagine like a normal person doing that. Like, I'm going right. to take the day off from work and then I'm going to show up at the high school where I work with just a beer in my hand and go sit in my office and watch other people work. What a weird <laughs> concept that is. It's strange. Right? He like, does, does things so differently. And it's, and I don't know if he's doing it as like kind of like a flex, right? Like, I can do this because I am LeBron James. Right. And nobody's going to tell me not to do it. But is it going to backfire at some point? I mean, it probably will. Right. Because when he starts to fall off, all these things are just going to come to the surface like they are right now as us talking about it. Right. I just don't get it. Like, I'm like, dude, you got to start the optics of certain things that you're doing. Like, remember when he tweeted April Fool's or April Fool's Day, like, oh, I'm done for the season, even though that turned out to be true. Yeah. You know, that wasn't his intention. It's like, or, or like when he says, bring that same energy with the narrative thing. And then he deletes it. It's like, dude, you make this strong statement and then you delete it six hours later. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? It's like, there's so many things that people can just bring up and say, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And you wouldn't have a good answer for it. There's no way. Cause he knows he screwed up. It's been just a season uh, that's felt like five. Oh, filled God. Just longest season I've ever covered by far. Weird, weird and borderline just un- unimaginable things. So to wrap it up and sort of sit here and say what happened or what's to come, I mean, it's it's almost an impossible task given the sort of 
winding roads this Lakers team has taken and where the franchise finds itself. So I guess what I would ask each of you guys as we prepare to sort of bring it to a close here on the Ethos Lakers podcast, again, joined by Ryan Ward of LakersNation.com today. Very, very blessed to be able to be joined by Ryan. And of course, to have JC along with me, all of us here together on this fine Wednesday evening at the time this is being recorded. What do you hope, right? What do you hope to see? This isn't really necessarily like a fan's hope. What do you hope to see from this Lakers team as it moves forward? And it doesn't even necessarily need to be, you got to make this trade or make this move because there's so many variables still up in the air for that. It's almost too early to say they should definitively do X, Y, or Z, right? But what do you hope to see? And I'll start as an example for me. I just hope to see a greater sense of congruency, a greater sense of urgency, a greater sense of connectedness when it comes to the actual product they're putting on the court. Because it felt like they did not give a shit this year. It almost felt like I was watching the Cincinnati Reds, right? The Reds tore down their team in the offseason. After the lockout and the, the team said, we're poor, we don't make enough money. And every MLB, MLB team, by the way, has a valuation that's currently over a billion dollars. The Reds traded away their best players, kept the players who make no money, and their owner came out and recently said, well, you guys are still going to come anyway, so what's the difference, basically? So I felt like watching the Lakers team this season was like, well, you guys are still going to show up anyway, so what's the difference whether or not we play hard or look like we give a shit? That's what it felt like as a fan. And you should never feel that way as a fan, because if you feel that way, it means you might be more invested than some of the guys who are wearing the uniform. And I do not think that everybody on this Lakers team that just transpired really understood the gravitas of what it meant to wear the Lakers uniform. And I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. When Larry Nance and Ed Davis were on this Lakers team, so we're going to go back a few years. Larry Nance would often talk about what it meant to wear a Lakers uniform. Ed Davis only cared about where his next check was coming from. Okay. Mm. And I know the circumstances were different in terms of how they grew up. Uh, obviously Nance had his dad playing the league and everything like that. But this, if Kobe, you know, I just can't help but think if Kobe were alive, the narrative around this Lakers team would almost have to be different because he'd march his ass into Rob's office and say, what the fuck are you doing? And he would have the ability to do that because that was his guy, right? That, that was his agent. That was his guy. And I but just, I'm sure, I'm sure Palenka would, would be uh, in his ear, right? He'd be like, dude, what's tell me what to do here. Or would you have any advice? You know, I'm sure. I'm sure. Kobe would definitely give it to him, but I, I think just being that, that kind of help in hand or that's, and then there's Jeannie too. Jeannie used to go to him as well. Um, and I think he's, he's so um, methodical and so kind of like um, such a deep thinker and like, and he goes deep into these situations. He, he would really help them. Uh, whereas magic's kind of more of like a, what's, what's hot right now, you know, like let me just talk about the hot topic right now um, without giving you any kind of perspective on what you should do or where you should go, you know? So, yeah, I think if he was alive, it would be different. I don't know how different, but. So, J JC, we'll go, we'll go to you, and then, Ryan, we'll finish with you. What do you hope to see as this Lakers club organization team, whatever you want to refer to the entirety of this group as? As they move forward, what do you want to see? Um, I mean, some kind of passion, I think. We, we, a little bit of, to expand upon what you were talking about, Um the the road tripping podcast at the end of the season had a really interesting segment that I put on the last episode of, of this podcast where Richard Jefferson was talking about this team, how it's like, 
this team, you don't, you don't see them arguing. You don't see them fighting. Not until not, you know, the second game of the season, but ever since then, yeah, you don't see them arguing. You don't see them point fingers. Like, yeah, they don't, they don't give a shit. And I want to see the opposite of that. Like look at Miami heat, the Miami heat had a huge fight on the sideline a couple of weeks ago and it didn't, it's because they wanted to win that game and they ended up solidifying number one in the East. Like, yeah, I just want a team that cares. <laughs> what a concept, right? <laughs> yeah. And Ryan, what do you what do you want to see from this group? I I like I like what he said. I I think I kind of feel the same way. I when I think a game that's um I I fell in love with the game watching Michael Jordan play and then it carried over into Kobe. Um and just seeing their passion and their love and their drive for it right and how nothing was going to stand in their way uh, of accomplishing what they wanted to accomplish and it kind of you know it, it inspired me to do what i do now right and 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 believe that i can do it you know and and when you don't see that in players that are making 44 million dollars or even even money that i'll never see you know what i mean like even the, the veteran minimum guys it, it kills it. it. It kills the, it kills the love for it. You know, it, it, it slowly chips away at it and you just, and you just like, why man? I mean, how you're here, you're on the, the, the biggest stage you're in, you're where people dream to be and, and you can't muster up the effort or you're going to save it for another night. Like, I just don't understand that mentality at all. I really don't. And I don't know if that's just kind of the way sports are going and athletes are going. Maybe it is. Maybe that's the next generation of, of, of sports, you know, and sadly. Um, but I would just hope for some kind of direction. I would hope for moves that, that actually make sense. Um, and kind of like an, a, buy, a buy-in mentality from these guys. And it just show that you give a shit. I mean, I can't believe we're, we're, at, we're, we're coming down to that, that level of just showing that you care. Like, I mean, Vogel said it over and over again, a care factor. I mean, I can't believe a coach has to talk about a care factor when you're you're on the NBA level. Like, just just get with it, man. Get with it or get the fuck out of here. That that is, for a franchise that has had such rich success in terms of its history, the fact that we're all sitting here signing off on the same note, which is just, just look like you care. It is really a new baseline for what feels like a brand new era of Los Angeles Lakers basketball. However you want to interpret that is going to be totally up to you. Ryan, I think this is the longest podcast JC and I have done in a while. (laughs) Clearly there was a lot to be said, but honestly, the conversation is just so natural with you, man. We appreciate your expertise, your time, your willingness to be able to contribute and to participate with us. We would love to have you back on in the future, and hopefully we didn't burn you out just by having you on one show, okay? <laughs> no, dude. I'd be totally down to go do it again. Appreciate it. You can follow him on Twitter. He's Ryan Ward, at Ryan Ward LA. Follow JC on Twitter, at JC Delion one Follow me, at Ethan underscore Noroff. And, of course, follow us and our show, at Ethos Lakers. Until next time, keep your head up high. Summer's on the horizon. New Lakers season won't be too far in the, in the distance. And until next time, we out.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.